I am Gregory Hallows, and this is Preserve Halloween Podcast. So, I wrote out this seven-page list of notes that I was going to do on Easter, uh, you know, Resurrection Sunday, Pasha, Passover, whatever whatever you call it, and how, you know, Easter is very similar to Christmas and Halloween, and how... You know, the holidays have evolved so much over the past, you know, hundreds of years. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about how there's, you know, the connection with the changing seasons and how Easter falls during the vernal equinox. And, you know, I had a really cool write up um like i said seven seven pages of uh ostra and uh, ostera and you know just i don't know but what what problem was is i didn't start doing my research until right before easter and by the time i realized it was easter and I may just save all this stuff for next year because it was a you know good write up but I didn't want to put out a podcast that was for something that had already happened. So I do want to mention a few of the uh people that I researched about and also you know kind of give you guys some some homework I guess to to uh look up these people and and see how you know they're just fascinating and and I always like I I always talk about it and it's probably a broken record by now but I always love research and I love talking to you guys about you know the things that I find out and you know Easter isn't on the surface have anything to do with Halloween but to me there's always a connection I can find or at least that's what I try to do um uh, there there are a uh, a few like i said there's a few people throughout history that i did want to uh talk about other deities you know of course easter and passover and this that time of the year it's you know jesus but and then uh, ostra and ostera you know all that stuff but i did find some other deities that i didn't know much about or hadn't heard mentioned before one of them is the Ghanaian uh, a person named Asasi Yah. Uh, this is a, a deity that the Ashanti people of Ghana honor at their festival of Durbar. Uh, they also uh, celebrate her husband, Yami. He is the, the sky god who brings rain to the fields. But Asasi Yah is a fertility goddess and often associated with the planting of crops during rainy seasons. Um, she's honored in an annual or often biannual festival called Awuru Oda. I'm saying that terribly wrong, but it's A-W-U-R-U-O-D-O. And uh, she is, to uh, in Ghanaian folktale, she is the mother of the Anansi, uh the trickster god, who um, many West Africans uh, followed to the New World during the uh slave trades that's you know some of the folk tales that follow that that horrible part of our history um another uh deity that i read about was sybil 
Uh, this is a mother goddess of Rome. She was the center of a uh, bloody cult called the Phrygians. Phrygians. Um, there is also, um, that's a pretty long history that involves uh, Augustus Caesar and Palatin Hill and um, a lot of of violence and Zeus is thrown in there of course because Zeus has to be up in everyone's stories for some reason um Freya of course the Norse fertility goddess who abandons the earth during the cold months but returns in the spring to restore nature's beauty I read about her um also Osiris uh the king of the Egyptian gods uh he is the lover of Isis and he dies and is reborn in a uh, resurrection story and this is very popular among spring deities because of the relationship with the rebirth during spring and there's also a Hindu goddess of the arts wisdom and learning and she has her own festival each spring in India called Saraswati Puja um, this of course is Saraswati so those are some of the DTs I, I found while I was looking up Easter and Ostra and Ostera and going through this this whole um, you know my I deep dive into research every week, uh, if not more, and I end up, you know, with all these notes that I try to condense down into the, the podcast, which Sometimes I feel like I'm rambling on and on, but I try to make it a short burst of of information. So just enough to get you guys interested in, in maybe, you know, go out and research on your own or, you know, just get interested about the subject. But like I said, Easter happened and I hadn't recorded the podcast. I'm on vacation. I am actually in my rental car in the parking lot of the hotel I'm staying at in Texas recording this because I wanted to talk about what I've done while I was here. Um, another thing, not anything remotely to uh, do with Halloween, my wife and I visited the gas station from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in Bastrop, Texas this week, and that was fun because that's that's one of her favorite movies of all time, if not her favorite movie of all time, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it was really fun to be able to take her to see that building. And they weren't open, but it was still a cool, uh, cool visit. I will post, uh, I'll probably post a video or some pictures from, from uh, that little uh, trip we made. Um, one of the other fun things we did while we were here is we were fortunate enough to go on one of the bat tours that takes place at uh, Lady Bird Lake, and we got to the tour about, I think, 7.30, 7.15-ish, right before it got dark, and, you know, we went on a little tour. We got to see the skyline of Austin. We got to uh, learn about the history of some of the buildings. But as our tour guide kept reminding us, we, I know why you're here. You want to see the bats. So if you don't know, there is a bridge in downtown Austin that was built. And it has, um, there's some 
in the structure of the building of the of the bridge there's some cracks that are pretty narrow but they're deep and they're pretty much a uh, perfect breeding ground or perfect habitat for for these bats so they came to Austin I don't remember the year I don't want to even guess because I don't want to be wrong but at some point in the past hundred years let's say <laughs> and I know it's before that but uh, the, the the gist of the story is the bats but they started to uh, make their home in this newly uh, remodeled bridge and before you knew it there were 750,000 bats in this uh, area and every night at dusk they make their way from the the bridge itself and go out and venture out to eat um, I think the entire colony is female because of just the 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 heat and the it's it's a perfect place for a uh, I guess a maternal cave so at some point in the time frame from when they start to make their way back to Austin from Mexico where they uh, venture off when it's cold they double so that 750,000 uh, group of bats becomes 1.5 million so uh, I think it's one of the largest I know it's not the largest I think it's top five but it's one of the largest groups of bats in a rural uh, or not a rural but a uh, a city uh, colony so it's pretty impressive. We got to watch the bats leave the bridge for probably an hour or so. Um, in the summertime when it's hotter, it's more of like a, just a blanket of bats. They almost all come out all at once. You know, that's what our, our guide told us. These This was a steady stream. It's only April. It was still fairly uh, warm. I mean, it is Texas. But the the stream of bats was very very uh slow and but slow and steady so i mean they were constantly coming out and it was just a neat thing to see so i have a video of that too that i'll i'll post up on uh social media but it it was neat because austin has you know at first the history of the the bats was the city didn't want them they thought they had rabies they thought they were going to you know, infect people. They thought they were just going to be a nuisance. But what they didn't realize until some scientists came down to, you know, prove them wrong, pretty much. But scientists came down and said, look, there's a very rare chance that these uh, bats get rabies. And if they do, they get paralyzed and they pretty much fall away from the rest of the the colony before they can infect any of the other bats. But the big advantage of having a lot of bats is they eat bugs so all the pests and all the bugs that you know a lot of cities have that are just a nuisance that's food for these bats so it's turned out to be one of the most cost-effective ways of you know bug extermination that exists it's it's nature's way of taking care of it so i think you know it's again this is a guess because i don't remember but i think that the tour guide said they eat uh, you know two or three times their weight in uh bugs every day or every night when they go out and 
you know, for, for someone like me, I live in an area where there's a ton of mosquitoes. So one of my goals has always been to build a bat habitat. I really want to have bats around my house. I mean, of course, it's the typical, oh, you're that Halloween guy. Of course you want bats. But no, I understand the importance that bats have in, you know, the nature cycle. And it would be nice to have less mosquitoes around my house because I do live next to a pond. And, you know, the same reason I want to have a bumblebee, uh, you know, bee enclosure so that, you know, bees don't need to, to go away. I don't I don't know if people realize how much our, uh, our um, you know, life is benefited from bees being, you know, in, in existence. And it's weird to think that, that that could be something that becomes extinct soon as, as a bee. Um, but, yeah. I am, uh, you know, bats is one of those things that has been a symbol of Halloween for, for a very long time. And it was cool to see bats in their, in their natural or not so natural habitat. Cause I mean, they live under a bridge. So you expect, you know, bats is, you know, all, just in a cave or, you know, somewhere that it, it, I guess where they are living is a cave to them. But anyway, it was very, it was very cool to see. And, I am another thing that I'm planning and I've been planning for a while is I think I'm going to adopt or sponsor a bat at one of the bat sanctuaries in Texas in the name of the Halloween Preservation Society as a whole. You know, it will be our bat. Uh, I, I don't know which one I'm going to pick yet, but as soon as I have that information, I will let everyone know and I'll post the pictures and, and, you know, bats are a very important part of nature's you know life cycle you know most animals have a purpose and i'm very happy that the people of austin decided not to completely get rid of the bats because i mean they were going to poison them or they were going to shoot them or they're you know find any way they could when these bats originally came to get rid of them and now you know bats being in austin has become one of their trademarks it's something that tourists come to see there was people on our our tour for the bats that were from you know other states and i think there was a few people from other countries and they were there to see the bats so you know it, it was really cool and the people that invited us to come knew how much i loved halloween and they're like this is something you're gonna super enjoy you know it's bats and it's cool that people look out for stuff like that for me because it's not you know of course i love the history of halloween and i love everything about it but there are other things that tie into halloween that it's neat for me to know that people think out of the box and think of me when things like that come up so when i was told that we were going to visit the 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 bridge where the bats lived i was very excited um and and it it lived up to to what i thought it would be and i i can't wait to visit again so when i come back I think I'll be back in Texas this summer. I'm going to check out the uh, bats again and see if it's the population is up to, you know, 1.5 million by that time. And I want to see, you know, this just black, dark wave of bats come out, uh, you know, maybe play some Bauhaus or something when when they emerge from the cave. But anyway... Thanks, you guys, for listening. Um, I 
I got to introduce the the Preservation Society and the podcast to some new people while I was down here in, in Texas. You know, of course, I'm wearing Halloween shirts on some of the days, and people are like, why are you wearing a Halloween shirt in April? I was like, because, you know, why not? <laughs> That's You should see my house. So thank you for listening. As always, you know, let me know what your... If any of you have visited Austin and seen, uh, have seen the batch yourself, I'd love to hear about it. And as soon as I know which bat we're going to go, you know, for the adoptions or the sponsors, I'll let everyone know. And I'll try to post some information about, you know, bats preservations and bats uh, societies throughout the country because I know there's a few. Um, I just want to make sure they're reputable and, you know, research more about it before I, I share that information. But um, it's really neat that there are those places that exist, and it's it's neat to see. I, I think the one in Texas has a live camera that you can watch them, you know, flying around and eating and, you know, just watching them exist. So, um, as always, preserve Halloween. When the moon is out and the world shut, you gotta say werewolf. Yeah, werewolf, yeah, werewolf, yeah. Gotta say werewolf, werewolf, yeah, werewolf, yeah. You gotta say werewolf. When the moon is out and the world shut, you gotta say werewolf. Oh, wow! That's the sound of a werewolf.